630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Drysaddle again. Shoots and scores. There's 50 from the right circle. Harris, he'll throw. He's got a man wide open. Touchdown, Eskimos. Kenny Stafford to the end zone. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Used to play there all the time and knows it. He's under. Well, you'll have to excuse me if I uh, sound a bit fatigued today. I spent most of the day building an arc. J- just in case, just getting ready. We'd get uh, two people from every sport on the arc if we needed. One man and one woman, and that's how we would keep sports going. Kellen, you would be there because you'd have to oversee the wrestling department, and uh, that's what we would do. That's what I was up to today. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. We have a lot to get to tonight. Going to be great to connect with Kahari Jones. You remember him as a quarterback in the CFL, now been coaching for a decade, and now the head man with Montreal. And in a few minutes, you'll hear from Philip Lawley, the defensive coordinator for the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, We were talking earlier today on the afternoon news with Brad whisker about David Duvall shooting a 14 on one hole at the British Open obviously golf comes up a a lot on this show as uh, I I always describe myself as an enthusiastic but but terrible golfer and uh, many of you have shared your golfing nightmares with me as well 14's a pretty bad score and that included a two-stroke penalty for playing the wrong ball which is a, which is a no-no when you're out there on the on a professional tour in the British Open. JB Holmes has the lead. He shot a 566. Shane Lowry at 4 under. Whole bunch of guys at 3 under including Kepka, Fleetwood, uh, Westwood in that group as well. Uh, Webb Simpson at 3 under, Sergio at 3 under. So uh, Francesco Molinari the defending champ at the uh, at the Open Championship. You can always reach out by texting 63630. Our phone number is 780 780- 496-0063. We have the Eskimos and the Alouettes coming up on Saturday afternoon here on 630. It'll be 2.30 for the countdown to kick off, and the game will start at 2 as the Eskimos finish off this stretch of three consecutive road games. Finally, back home one week from tonight when they'll take on the Toronto Argos. And defense has been the story for your Eskimos so far this season. They are uh, second in the league in sacks. With 16, Hamilton has 18. Hamilton has played an extra game. And what's really impressive, and this just goes to the the play along the line of scrimmage in general, the Eskimos have dished out 16 sacks. They have allowed only one. And I, I think you have to credit the offensive line, and I think you have to credit the play calling, and I think you have to credit quarterback Trevor Harris. He he does not hang on to the ball very long. He gets it out. And I know, you know, Mike Riley was great here in Edmonton, but I but I know when he when he played here, that was a criticism he faced, even when he was playing well, that sometimes he held on to the ball too long, and that led to some sacks or some missed opportunities. Harris gets it out, and the Eskimos are moving the ball. But focus on the defense for now. The 16 sacks, second in the league. They have allowed only 20.5 points per game. That's third best in the league. Here's the stat that really interests me, and this I, I, I kind of did one of those double takes when I was looking this up earlier today. The Eskimos are allowing 222 yards per game. That's it, 222 yards per game. The next best team 
the Calgary Stampeders, they've allowed 318 yards per game. They're they're almost 100 yards better per game than the next best defensive team. Uh, The Eskimos have allowed 60 first downs. That is the fewest in the CFL. They have forced 24 two-and-outs. That is second only to Hamilton, who has forced 25. And again, Hamilton has played one more game in the Eskimos. And offensively, the Eskimos have gone two-and-out the least number of times at 11. So there's why they're leading time of possession. There's why they're generally running more plays than the opposing team. And don't forget, the only game they lost this season... 76 offensive plays to Winnipeg's 35, and, and and they weren't able to finish. So it wasn't for lack of opportunity. They just couldn't uh, couldn't connect, couldn't find the end zone in that game, ultimately couldn't execute. So a lot of good signs for the Eskimos' defense. And, yeah, the schedule is going to get tougher and the weather is going to change and teams are going to adapt, but it, it is a so far so good uh, situation for the Eskimos. And it, it is a coach who has been very successful as a defensive coach in this league and at a variety of different levels going back oh over 40 years defensive coordinator philip lawley is 65 he's going to tell a story about coaching defense as a young man when he was 22 so yeah he has been doing it a while and had a great opportunity to sit down with philip lawley at commonwealth this afternoon well, Philip, I remember uh, we talked when you were hired, and you told me you you always got to be conscious of your personnel, but your default switch is is pressure. And it seems to me you're living up to that so far. Well, I mean, you know, that's what I believe in, and I believe that uh, you know the quicker that you make offensives, make a decision, the better off. You know, the uh, you know the quarterbacks now. I mean, <laughs> they're all you know well prepared. They're well coached. Uh, the offensives today is explosive, as you know. And uh, the more that you let a quarterback be able to see, and, you know, envisions everything in, in sports, as you know. And if he's able to look out there and see his receivers and he's got time to, you know, go through progressions, then sooner or later, I mean, you know, there's a weakness in every defense, you know. and But the, I don't want him to find it. <laughs> so I try to, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, we keep enough pressure on and we try to balance it out, you know, and, and the situations declare everything, you know. But uh, I do want him trying to, you know, have to speed his progression up, and hopefully, you know, that leads to mistakes. You know, you, you saw Montreal at the start of the season; they, they really hung in there, and they, they've had some some good games this year and some good results. And uh, with with Adams at quarterback, can you give fans maybe a? A quick scouting report of, of of his challenges or his strengths here. Oh well, he's he's got a lot of strengths. He's first of all very fast, very mobile. You know, he's a quarterback that you know they run a lot of the RPO game with him, which is the run pass options. You know, that's the reason the run game is so good too, because you know, different than a lot of people, they go up wanting to run the football. If you give them the run, they definitely going to take it. So it's definitely a cat mouse game, and you know he. They, they do everything. They they run the lookies. They run the true triple threat, you know, and, and they read their powers, their counters, everything that they do is off a read. So, you know, they're looking to get the numbers on you. And, uh, you know, I'm, we're really sure this week they get the numbers in the screen game. That's going to be a factor also. Uh, that's the way a lot of teams are, you know, trying to slow us down. But they have the good running backs. They uh, break tackles. Uh, they're going to make you play physical with them. 
you know. And uh, when, then when you do that and you overplay the run, of course, you know, he's, he's very versatile. He can throw the football. And he can throw it down the field. And uh, But, you know, when he gets in trouble, you know, he's got a way of getting out of trouble quickly because he's very athletic. So all those things we have to bring into play this week. They are very good football team offensively. I mean, for what they do, they're going to challenge you physically. So we got a work cut out. I, I know we talked before a little bit about your, your history as a coach. I, I don't know if I asked you this, though. Do you remember the first defense you were ever in charge of where you actually felt as a coach, okay, this is this is my, whatever your title was, where you felt this is this is my defense, I can really take it in my direction? Well, you know, to be honest, that was in high school ball where I was a head coach. I was the youngest head coach in the state of Alabama, which is very football-oriented at, at one time. So, you know, me being a head coach and I took over a program that had just went 0 10 and and uh, they you know winning was something they hadn't done recently you know and so and I thought to myself when they offered me the job I thought well I can't do no worse than the last one or two guys that was here for sure and so I took the thing and uh, immediately I built it around defense and the reason that I did is I was an old quarterback I was a quarterback myself and you know uh, and I just knew that great teams you know in our state always won with defense you know that you got to have a great defense defense and a quarterback that don't beat you making mistakes and that was just my philosophy at a young age and so I wanted to develop that defense and, and like I said me being a quarterback uh, helped me because I knew what gave quarterbacks trouble I knew those things you know and so I just kind of went from there and started building uh, every program I ever had from that point on around a great defensive effort and good defensive play and and uh, it's carried me well you know. So you've coached both sides of the border. I mean, obviously we know the rule differences, fields, number of men. Do you have to design a defense differently because of the 11 versus 12 men width of the field, or is it pretty much basically the same when you get down to the X's and O's? Well, it's, it's not the same for sure, but, but you know, X's and O's are X's and O's, and, and coaching defense is nothing but a puzzle anyway. you gotta, you got to figure out the puzzle, you know, and uh, every team is different. They approach it differently. Uh, first of all, I think you got to build around your strengths, and, and every, every team has some weaknesses also. So what you try to do is hide your weaknesses, and you try to, you know, play to your strength, and, and then your opponent dictates how you're going to play it. So there's a lot of factors. Like I said, it's a puzzle, and each and every game is, you know. And uh, here, you know, the run game is not much different at all. I mean, you know, you got inside players, you got defensive front, your linebackers reads, and the different plays that they run in the run game are, are all basically the same, you know, whether it's south or up here at the north, you know. And and uh, that that's that's pretty standard. What is not standard is the fact that you got the one extra guy on a field that's a lot wider with multiple people that can be in motion and in the states like I said you only see one so uh, it's like I tell folks back where I'm from now I said you don't have to be in Canada for six years and you know figuring out the puzzles of the different things and you know watching the defensive back play and the way the receivers run the motion I said I come down here and I go to sleep I get bored you know but uh, I, I, you know everybody said well, well, if you ever, I said, look, if if I had a young son and he wanted to learn to coach football, 
and he was a defensive guy, I would see if I couldn't get him to Canada his first five or six years at least. Uh, you know, because when you come south after that, the game slows down tremendously. It's a, it's a lot faster pace, but I love that because I, I like to be challenged. And, uh, you know, it's a challenging uh, uh, effort that you got to make to, to be a good defensive coach up here. So. That is Edmonton Eskimos defensive coordinator Philip Lawley. Really enjoyed that interview. Got to talk to him a, a little bit after we were done taping as well. And he told me a little bit about going to that job interview for his uh, first head coaching job in high school, Warrior Academy in Utah, Alabama. And by the way, you can get more on this on 630Ched.com on the Eskimos page. And he was uh, he was working in construction and, and he goes to the interview and he'd been doing some, some painting and he's told me he still had to couldn't wash all the paint off his hands and he's kind of going in there quite quite modestly dressed and he sees other coaching candidates and and they're in suits and and you know he got the question at some point uh, you know why, why are you better than the other guys for the job and he and he basically said I'm a lot hungrier than those guys I gotta win I gotta win I gotta do this right because uh, I don't have uh, I don't have much to fall back on, and he's been carrying it on ever since. And it's certainly uh, I know a lot of you appreciate what he's what he's been doing. We'll touch on that a little bit more. We'll get a view from the uh, Alouettes bench. Their head coach Kahari Jones is going to check in. Your participation is welcome by texting six thirty six thirty. Phone number seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We're back after the break. <laughs> of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Trevor Harris has not thrown an interception this season as the Eskimos are off to a 3-1 and one start. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, this texter to 630-630 says, Loving the Eskimos' defense so far this year. Better personnel and better coach. They're going to be hard to score on all season long. Well, so far, so good. I, I mentioned the yardage. They've only allowed 222 yards per game. The next best team is Montreal, is Calgary at 318. So they're almost a whole field worth of yardage better than uh, the next best team in uh, the Canadian Football League. So it bodes well. Montreal, who I, I think is going to be a very tough opponent, and then certainly a game on Thursday where the Eskimos, despite playing on a short week, will be heavily favored to beat Toronto one week from tonight. You've probably been hearing this uh, this other story here on 630 Ched today. Edmonton police charging a 23-year-old man with forging Connor McDavid's signature on Oilers jerseys and then selling them as part of this alleged fraud scheme uh, this going on over the past year someone claiming to be employed by either the Oilers or a local sports memorabilia retail contacting people on Facebook about selling the jerseys well eventually they got uh, complaints and police came in Constable Derek Burns says McDavid himself helped spot the phony signature did confirm I reached out to the Edmonton Oilers organization and he confirmed he saw this and he said, no, it's not his. So this is this is concerning, and I, I assume if you're listening to a sports show with any regularity, you like sports, you probably like sports memorabilia at least to some extent. And this is kind of scary, right? Because you want that, 
you want that puck, you want that stick, you want that baseball, you want that that helmet, and and you can't always. Sometimes you're lucky enough, maybe you get it direct from the athlete, him or herself. But a lot of times you're buying it from a retailer or ordering it online, and you want to feel like, hey, this is at least authentic. The athlete actually signed this himself. He had it in his possession for a while, or it was actually worn in a game or used in a game. And then obviously, you know, you, you feel ripped off. You feel jilted. Maybe even you feel a little bar- embarrassed when something like this happens. So how do you know it's authentic? How can you know you get that signed, whatever it is, and you know that's that's the real deal? You actually have that. And and, and the thing is, I know for, for fans, it's not, it's not just... It's not just though you you spent money on it and you have it. There's there's an emotional connection. Obviously, you love your sports team, you love your athletes. So how do you know you have this memorabilia and it's authentic? Well, Jack Cookson is with Proam Sports. Uh, he touched on this story earlier today with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now, and he said, "Here's how you know." We uh, offer a hologram on the item and a certificate of authenticity, otherwise known in our business uh, as a COA. Uh, and if it doesn't come from us, it comes from one of our uh, our suppliers, and in this case, Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky, for that matter, uh, have got exclusive autograph arrangements with uh, a company out of the uh, out of California, Upper Deck Authenticated. And what uh, has happened here is is people have been sold jerseys that uh, that don't have uh, that Upper Deck seal of approval, and and the the hologram uh, should be on the item. And on the certificate of authenticity in the McDavid case, it should be a serialized number, and they should match. Uh, but at the end of the day, Bob, it, it comes down to uh, people need to do their homework. And if anything good comes out of all of this news coming out today, it's A, uh, if you have been stung, uh, you know, I'm sure it's embarrassing, but, but please reach out to the EPS uh, as they, they try and and, uh, and build a case. Uh, and then secondly, uh, if you want to buy something, uh, do your homework. You know, we'd love it if you come into Pro-Am Sports and we're going to proamsports.ca and, and purchase from us. But if you don't, at least spend some time educating yourself on what to look for. Uh, and it doesn't go, it isn't just for Connor McDavid. It's for, for any, any piece of memorabilia, uh, from any sport. Uh, just do your homework. And, and in the case of, uh, here, if, if the deal is, is too good to be true, it probably is. A little bit there from Jap, uh, Jack Cookson from Pro-Am Sports. And, uh, you know, this this is a problem. It's not just McDavid jerseys. There's uh, fraudulent items out there in the sports memorabilia world, unfortunately. But uh, the police get to the bottom of this, they hope. Uh, Chandra Vinesh Singh, also known as Vinesh Singh or Vinny, has been charged with fraud, forging documents, and false pretense. Going to be in court September 23rd. Texting 63630 on the Eskimos. Uh, this individual says have to clean up the penalties, though. Absolutely, they do. The Eskimos the most penalized team in the Canadian Football League. John says, Reed, call it a hunch based on 40 years of watching football, but I think the Eskimos are in trouble this Saturday. Matchups don't seem to favor the Eskimos. Matt O'Donnell being out is a really big deal. John, i got to tell you, I, I have some uh, my worry pants are hiked a little higher than usual for this game uh, but Montreal is not a pushover we're going to hear from Kahari Jones in the next half hour of the show I think he's done a good job jumping into a tough situation as head coach and as Philip Lawley says they like to run the ball and the Eskimos have been able to get after BC and Mike Riley because he's dropping back and pass them well the, the run can throw off that pass rush so uh, I still favor the Eskimos on Saturday but I think this is going to be a tough one. We'll discuss more as we move along. And Kahari Jones coming up.
this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Edmonton prospects rained out today at Remax Field. CFL game tonight has Toronto taking on Calgary. FC Edmonton last night in a match delayed by rain and lightning wound up in a nil-nil draw with Valor FC. We will bring on Kareem Moses from FC Edmonton later on. It is soccer week uh, here in Edmonton and leading up to the big match Saturday night at Commonwealth Stadium, Cardiff City against Real Valladolid from Spain. And uh, FC Edmonton doing some uh, clinics today, and they had their match last night, and there'll be a lot of guys will be going to the game on Saturday, so it'll be good to talk to Kareem. And that was, that was something last night, Cal. I mean, obviously we've been getting a lot of rain, but as you remember, we were going to give the score last night, mm. and I was thinking, what's what's going on? And then it, it was supposed to start at 7, and then it was a 7.50 start time. So it was basically starting as our show was ending. Usually we get you the first half score right. for the FC Edmonton weekday home games. So then I'm – you you stayed here. I'm, I'm driving home between 8 and 8.30 approximately, and uh, I was going up 97th Street, and my goodness. Just oh, you know what? Pelting loose, yeah. rain, lightning. I mean, limited visibility, and – you know, you're, you're getting splashed everywhere. And uh, so the match started, was delayed for a considerable time, and then they eventually got out there and, and, and finished it. And you can't you can't play in the lightning. They're not going to let you play in the lightning. I guess the, the rain you could play in, but obviously the, the field must have been almost underwater. So we'll get Kareem to talk about that. But that was that was a, a massive storm last night for sure. You can text 630-630, our uh, phone number 780-496-0063. Uh, this text you're writing in. Just drove by Evansburg, and they still haven't erected the home of Reed Wilkins sign. <laughs> ah, he said erected. <laughs> Town council, get on that. Yeah. Come on. Well, I don't. I don't actually live there. I guess it's my ancestral home. Just got to get out there and play the Pemina Valley Golf Course this summer. The origins of Wilkie. Yeah, that's where my bad golfing all began. That's that's where it all started. Me trying to be a uh, a respectable golfer still haven't been able to pull it off. Okay, so uh, we have we th- then we have that match. So tomorrow, uh, tomorrow on the show, this is going to be fun. Uh, we will f, f- or uh, the two teams are going to Rogers Place tomorrow for a bit of a tour and to talk a little bit about hockey. So uh, I'll go check that out. So we'll have some tape from that on the show tomorrow night. And you know, there's a there's a Canadian kid. There's a Canadian kid on Cardiff City, Kellen. Junior oh, okay. Junior Hoylett plays for Cardiff City. I talked to him uh, briefly this afternoon. We're going to get and get more from him tomorrow. But the uh, the young man, Junior Hoylett, playing for Cardiff City, was just on that Canadian team that played in the Gold Cup. And remember, they're in the quarterfinal, and they got Haiti down 2-0 into the second half. And then bang, 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 Haiti gets three and wins the game. But I, I, I asked Hoylett about... What's going on with the Canadian men's team? How are you looking? I think we're at uh, a stage where we have an amazing group of young generation players coming through and a, a great, solid team. I think it's going to be exciting time for the national team. I think we have the right structure. The, the managers put it, been working hard to get uh, the best players to the best football for Canada. So I think it's the best team Canada had in a long time. I think it's exciting time for Canada and Kind of has a lot to see. All right, so uh, more from Junior 
tomorrow. I just briefly talked to him as he was getting on a plane this afternoon to fly to Edmonton. Kevin says, the Pembina Golf Course, does it loop around just like the Pembina River? I, my mother mentioned this story to me. Did you see this, Kellen? No. People have been warned. Just hang on a sec, Kellen. I got I to gotta sneeze. So I got to shut my mic off. Hey, sorry about, sorry about that, everyone. Better than sneezing into the mic. So, they, the RCMP have had to warn people. It says, uh, the story I'm reading says tubing enthusiasts, but I guess it would apply for anybody who's going to float down the river in any sort of device, that the river, I, I guess there was this belief that the Pemina River ran in a circle, which I don't know if rivers do that. No. That's not a river at that point. It's a moat. <laughs> it's, it's a moat. That's right. It's, it's, it's around Castle Evansburg. Yeah. So they actually had to warn people, like, if you got to get off uh, at, the, at the campgrounds. You can't just keep going around and around. The river is, is going to take you places. What? So, Kevin, thanks for writing that in. This, I, I mean, I'm joking about it, but this is it's actually quite serious. If you thought you could just get on the river and you'd come right. back to where you started, don't do that because you don't know where you're going to wind up. You could be out there a long time, and that's dangerous. And I will also mm. say this to Kevin, oddly enough, the, the river closest to the Pemina Golf Course is the smaller Lobstick River. Right. Which a few miles away empties into the Pemina River. So it's actually the Pemina River Golf Course next to the Lobstick River. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Gotcha, for sure. Why yep. not? And having floated on the Pemina River before, Nats, if I can tell you that, uh, they always point out to us that, hey, this is your start point. Look for the stuff on the bank for your finish point, and please get off at the finish point because we can't help you once you're beyond that finish oh, point. Oh, so you're specifically, they actually have people, how long ago was this? Oh, last summer. Oh, so there's actually people there telling, what were you, were you in a boat? Were you tubing? What in, were you in, in, in like a tube, yeah, in okay. like a tube. Uh, not so much people, but it's like a sign. You can't miss it. It's a giant, where, okay. where so we went, there's like a giant sign This on has them. obviously been an ongoing problem. For some reason, there was some urban myth, or whatever it's called. What is it not urban myth? What are they called? You know what I'm urban talking Urban legend, about. yeah. There was a legend. Well, it would be a myth that the river went around in a circle. Completely incorrect. So if you're if again, if you go to the Pemina River Provincial Park, don't look for the golf course because it's by the Lobstick River, right? And don't think you can just tube endlessly in a circle. Very dangerous. Okay, uh, you can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Tell you what, Kellen, why don't we uh, take a break? Then we'll get Alouette's head coach Kahari Jones on the line. <laughs> You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. So we have the Eskimos and the Alouettes coming up on Saturday, 12.30, pregame show, game at 2. Dave Campbell and Morley Scott traveled to Montreal today. Dave will join me on the show tomorrow to tee up that contest as the Eskimos try to knock off this man's team for the second time this season, the head coach of the Alouettes, former quarterback in the league, Kahari Jones. Kahari, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? 
I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. And, uh, man, a lot to talk about with you, Kahari. And I'm going to start with uh, with a big story for the Eskimos uh, and the CFL about a guy you played against. Ricky Ray is uh, going up on the Eskimos' wall of honor later this season. And your careers, uh, you know, really overlapped quite a bit. Almost almost played. Uh, uh, well, he, you started a couple years before he did. But uh, a guy you would have gone head-to-head with uh, a few times. Just maybe some thoughts on, on Ricky and what you remember about him as a player. Yeah, uh, he was he was amazing. You know, I mean, he was he was just a lot of fun to watch. Just how cool and calm he was in the in the pocket, and and it was funny because I I got to play against him early in his career, and uh, I think I played against him in the playoffs in in two thousand and two, and. Uh, I believe he was a rookie, maybe first, second year, but he he was just starting out, and and uh, but just as just as cool as can be, uh, played really well, and and uh, beat us by by a few to 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 go to the Great Cup, and then I got a chance to to be in camp with him in in Edmonton, and, and got to kind of see it see him firsthand a little bit, and and it was it was just amazing to watch him in the pocket you know i was a big joe montana fan growing up and wanted to be just like joe and and uh, I, I thought ricky kind of was the closest thing that i'd seen to somebody who was just could be so relaxed with with chaos going on around him and and just uh had the ability to do his job no matter what and so uh yeah it's it's, it's quite an honor and to be um be uh on the on the wall of fame is 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 uh is well deserved by for ricky well, that, that's a good transition. You talked about how, how calm he was, and I, I remember seeing you you play, and uh, you know you were I always found a very in control player, and 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 you got into coaching, you know, shortly after you retired, working with uh, with quarterbacks. You know, as as when we talk about coaches, we talk a lot about X's and O's and and the scheme and the play calling and all that kind of stuff. When you're dealing with your quarterbacks, when you've dealt with your quarterbacks during your career, how much do you talk about? The focus, the calmness, the the attitude part of the game is that something you try to affect on your players as well? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's almost as much, if not more, sometimes than the X's and O's because that that I think is is the big factor uh, for for a quarterback's uh, uh, being able to be successful or or or, or having uh, trouble out there. It's, it's so emotion based and so being able to contain yourself and and in the midst of of, of all of these things going on, you have to be able to. to keep composed and and uh and and make the right reads and right decisions and you're not always going to do it but but it's also how you how you uh react to 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 not doing the right thing and and how fast you can shake it off sometimes those things stay with you so yeah that the other side of 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 the game is is so much so big and and I don't know if people realize it sometimes you 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 think about the X's and O's all the time and and you can know those things but as soon as you get out onto the field it's a different story and and so um yeah it's 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 a big part of of, of what I talk about with my guys when you were playing and maybe when you felt you might have been a little later in your career was was coaching on your mind? Did you feel as a player, okay, I know I'm enjoying playing and I'm focusing on playing, but in the back of your mind, was that a transition you felt was was going to happen someday? I'm curious. I, I ask a lot of coaches this who, who were players, and some of them say, I always knew I wanted to do it, and some say, kind of just stopped playing and almost happened by accident. So I wonder <laughs> what it was like for you. 
Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question because I, I did think that coaching might be in my future, and I wasn't all the way sure. But what I knew was that I needed to get away from the game for at least two or three years, and I and I and I knew that was the case. So, so uh, I, I was lucky enough to get a nice transition out of out of football to be on on uh, CBC for for a couple of years and and do the broadcasting and and be up in the booth and on the on the panel and and still be a part of the game but but kind of get some distance from it. There's some guys that can go right into it from the playing career, but I knew I, I just wasn't one of those guys. And then it was it was a it was exactly three years after I I had finished and and I'd gone down to to uh, see my old college play UC Davis and. And um, yeah, met my my coach Bob Biggs and and got to talking and I was like, okay, this is what I need to be doing now. And so I knew it was time. So I, I had a, I had an idea that I would coach, but I wasn't wasn't sure. But but uh, but yeah, as soon as soon as that happened, um, yeah, I knew it was going to be in my future and was going to be here for a long time. Well, a head coach now of the Montreal Alouettes, Gahari Jones, joining us on on Inside Sports, and it happened shortly before the, the season, Kahari. I know a lot of observers will say, man, that, that was weird timing, maybe tough for Jones to, to step in there, but I'm wondering what that like was for you to see Mike go, a guy you, you work closely with, see him go pretty short before the, the start of the, the regular season, and then you had to jump in there. Uh, how did you handle that? Maybe some of the, uh, the challenges you've had to work with here. Yeah, it was it was a little uh, little tough to to uh, kind of process at least just because it happened so quickly after the last preseason game. Um, uh, yeah, Coach Sherman was was uh, really great to me and 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 uh, great great person and everything and and so with him being let go and at the same time them them offering me the job, um, I was. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of running through a lot of different things, but I knew it was something that I was I was uh, passionate about this team. You know, I wanted this team to succeed. I felt like we had an opportunity to be a good football team, and and so I took the job. and And it was it was almost uh, nice in a way, just because I didn't have time to think about it too much. I just kind of got to work and 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 tried to just take every day and do. Uh, the things necessary, what I thought was necessary to get this team on the right track for the first game. And so there, there wasn't a whole lot of time to, th- to think about things. And, and it was just kind of getting getting down to business because as well as the, as the head coach, I was still the offense coordinator. I was still the quarterback coach. So I was just, I, I, I kind of focused on those things and, and, and made sure that I was, I was ready to go. And, uh, and, and I had a great staff around me and great group of, of coaches around me that, that, that helped me out and 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 uh, and so yeah, we're it was just uh, it was just like let's let's do this and and so it's been it's been a good transition and and I, I, I yeah I don't uh, complain or worry about anything. It's just I, I enjoy coming into work every day and and uh, and and just taking what it, whatever comes and and uh, but like I said, the biggest reason is the, this group of guys is is uh, I think has the ability to be special and and. And uh, I'm I'm really fortunate to be be leading them. 
second meeting against the Eskimos this season uh, in week one. I mean, you guys did a great job rallying to, to tie it, though the Eskimos were able to, to pull it out in, in the end. And, uh, and now you guys have won uh, have won two in a row, and uh, you handled Ottawa 36-19 last week. And I got to ask you, you know, I guess back to the quarterback position. Vernon Adams uh, came in against the Eskimos, uh, did a really good job. Talked to coach, uh, defensive coach Philip Lawley from the Eskimos this morning, and, and he told me a little bit about some of the problems uh, Vernon presents. Maybe, uh, I know he's been in the league for a while, but it almost seems like we're maybe getting to see him uh, really sort of blossom here a little bit the last few weeks. What can you say about his play? Yeah, I think he's just uh, he's just starting to put everything together right now as a, as a quarterback, and it takes some time sometimes, and it takes not only time but just opportunity and 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 getting a chance to be out there. I think he his maturity level as 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 a quarterback and and a person has has grown, and um, he's he's just doing a great job, and he's very uh, he, he wants to to be better he wants to be better every day and so he he comes in early he's doing all the little things that it takes to to um to to be a a good quarterback in this league and and this is the right time for him as well i mean this 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 doesn't come easy and and it's you don't see a whole lot of 22, 23, 24-year-olds uh, uh, being super successful in the league because it's hard, you know, and it's a different game than, than what a lot of these guys grew up with. And so it takes some, some – it, it's a learning curve to, to the CFL. But but uh, but he's, he's at a good age and, and had enough experience that, uh, that we feel comfortable and confident in him. And uh, he's, uh, I think he's just growing, and he's going to keep, keep getting better. And so it's, it's, it's fun to see. All right, Kahari, I'm going to circle back to your playing career to wrap it up with a bit of a fun question. And, and people listening okay. will know I asked this to a, to a lot of ex-players because I get some really interesting answers. Who was the best player you ever played with? Who was the best player you ever played against in the Canadian Football League? Oh, my gosh. Uh, oof. Playing with, uh, uh, yeah, I'd have to go with Milt Stiegel. I mean, he was just amazing, and we had so much fun together. And uh, just, yeah, one of the best receivers I've ever, I've ever seen as far as being able to, 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 uh, to go deep at will and and make people miss. And just, just well, we know who Milt Stiegel is. He, he scores a lot of touchdowns, which I love. So that was that. That was probably the best player I played with. And the best player I played against, golly, that's that's a tough one. Um, I mean, the first name that comes to mind, it's always somebody who hits me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, so I'd say I'd say uh, Mumford uh, from from Hamilton. I just remember uh, I, I remember seeing him. Yeah, he was in my dreams for for a couple of years there because he would just uh yeah, he would just fly at me sometimes and and he was a rare combination of of not uh, being a D lineman but not being a big guy being fast too and now you see a lot of that but he was he was kind of an outlier back then and so uh he was a guy who uh just yeah, when he hits you, you felt it. Usually, the big guys, I didn't, I didn't feel it as much, and the and the smaller guys, I didn't feel as much. But he hit you, I felt it. So I, yeah, I'd say, uh, 
yeah, yeah, Mumford was 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 it. Uh, I'm not surprised you said a defensive player and somebody who could hit. Uh, absolutely, Kahari. <laughs> thank you very much for making time for us. Uh, enjoy the season ahead with the Alouettes, and we'll talk to you again. Will do. Thanks a lot. Good stuff. One of the good guys in the game for sure. Coach of the Alouettes, Kahari Jones. They host your Eskimos coming up on Saturday afternoon. John texting in. He says, Reed, if you have to explain to people that rivers don't run in a circle, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world if they float off and never come back. Oh, my, John. That is dark. Just floating away. We'll see what it was like to uh, be a player in that rain and lightning last night. Kareem Moses from FC Edmonton. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about your Edmonton Oilers upcoming season, a little bit about the British Open. All ahead on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.